Howdy Hootah Thunkers. This is the host of the Hootah Thunkin' podcast coming at you. Episode 140, uh, titled Blanche Monnier. And this is not a happy story. And it was a bit of a rush job. I had a, lo- a long weekend and came back. I had got this done in one day. So, yeah, I've had a lot of work to do. So, yeah, I kind of just cranked this episode out real quick today. But it was a very interesting story because there's kind of two stories. One thing that actually happened and two very different stories that are being told. Anyway, let's do the recommendation segment. This week, pretty simple. I, re- I recommend you rewatch an old childhood classic, something you loved as a kid. It could be seasonal. Um, I think I cannot think of the name of the movie. That movie with the heat miser and the cold miser. Love it. I, I want to rewatch that for Christmas. It's going to be great. Uh, but right now, I'm rewatching um, Naruto. It's a pretty famous anime series, and it's bringing me lots of happiness. I didn't write much about it on the blog because my blog, WordPress, is really, 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 really slow. So frustrating, frustratingly so. Like the blog is is severely lacking this week. <laughs> um, I say that it has tons on it. It's just I could have done more and tweaked more, edited more. I thought about skipping this week's podcast and make taking a lot more time and releasing this next week. But it was mainly because of all the work stuff and time off. But this WordPress, what is happening? I don't know. Maybe it's my computer that it's lagging so much. I, ugh, oh, my gosh. But anyway, but like I said, it is the backbone of this story is good. Back in the 1870s, or now for the main event, back in the 1870s in the French city of Poitiers, there lived a wealthy and respected family, the Moniers. They were part of the French aristocracy, the wealthy, educated, powerful, the elite of society. The head of the family, Emile Monnier, was the director of the Poitiers Art Faculty. He was a like dean of colleges, smart dude. His wife, Madame Louise Monnier, was awarded by the Committee of Good Works for her gracious contributions to the city. Their son, Marcel Monnier, was a successful lawyer who had a family of his own, a wife and daughter. And then there was the youngest, Blanche Monnier. Mademoiselle Blanche Monnier was known throughout the city for her beauty. You know what they say about beauty. It doesn't last forever. Got some pictures here on the blog. Check them out. Fast forward to 1901. The Paris Attorney General gets a strange anonymous letter. It was handwritten, and even though it had no signature, the accusations amongst it, uh, amongst its words motivated the Attorney General to investigate. And I do have a sample of that letter on the blog. Some of the thing written on the letter, uh, part of it was, Monsieur Attorney General. I have the honor to inform you of an exceptionally serious occurrence. I speak of a spinster who is locked up in Madame Monnier's house, half-starved, living on a putrid litter for the past 25 years, and a word in her own filth. Anonymous. At first, the police were hesitant to pursue the accusation. Before his death in 1879, Monsieur Monnier had a reputation in that art world. You know, Madame Monnier gave so much money to the city, and then there was their son, Marcel, such a big-shot lawyer. But it was also well known that the Moniers had a daughter who hadn't been seen in a quarter of a century. Blanche Monnier uh, was described by friends as very gentle and good-natured. She had vanished in the prime of her youth, just as her as high-society suitors had begun to come calling. Tragic, but not unheard of. You know, kidnappings do happen. No one gave such much thought to it. And after being upset for what seemed a reasonably a reasonable amount of time, the family went about their lives as though it had never happened. That their daughter just didn't hadn't 
you know, had never existed. The police went ahead with the search against Madame Monnier's wishes. Their standard search didn't turn up much until an officer caught the stench of something foul coming from the attic. They followed the smell to a door that had been padlocked from the outside. They smashed the lock and went inside where misery lay. The room where the stench was coming from uh, was pitch black. There was one window, but the shutters had been nailed shut and large curtains blocked out all light. The stench was so horrid that the head officer ordered the window open by force to allow air inside. With the window now open, sunlight now drenched the room and revealed the source of the smell. Discarded scraps of food and pieces, pieces of feces laid all over the floor, most concentrated in a ring around a decrepit bed that had a starved woman laying on top, a bed made out of rotting straw. Monnier was rescued. Blanche Monet was rescued by police from appalling conditions covered in old food and feces with bugs all around the bed floor and weighing, and she weighed only about 25 kilograms. That's 55 pounds. One policeman described the state of Monnier and her bed thus. We immediately gave the order to open the, the casement window. This was done with great difficulty, for the, the old dark-colored curtains fell down in a heavy shower of dust. To open the shutters, it was necessary to remove them from their right hinges. As soon as light entered the room, we noticed in the back lying on a bed her head and body covered by a repulsively filthy blanket, a woman identified as Mademoiselle Blanche Monet. The unfortunate woman was lying completely naked on a rotten straw mattress. All around her was formed a sort of crust made from excrement, fragments of meat, vegetables, fish, and rotten bread. We also saw oysters, shells, and bugs running across Mademoiselle Monet's bed. The air was so unbreathable, the odor given off by the room was so rank that it was impossible for us to stay any longer to proceed with our investigation. Paris Police Report. There's also a, a large article about this. This and this hit the news. It became a big deal. There's an article that was published in the New York Times in 1901, June 9th, 1901. The police took Blanche to the hospital immediately and placed her mother, Madame Louise Monnier, and brother Marcel under arrest. At this point, Blanche Monet was 52 years old. They learned that when the police forced the window open, it had been the first time Blanche had seen the sun in over 20 years. She had been chained to that rotting straw bed, unable to relieve herself anywhere other than the bed. There was no form of bathing for over 25 years. The hospital staff said her physical well-being was that of severe malnourishment, but otherwise she was stable. Although Blanche, Blanche would Blanche would be obvious, uh, would be for obvious reasons, suffer from uh, serious mental health problems. She said how lovely it was to breathe in the fresh air. For 25 years, she only ever saw her family and the occasional servant who'd throw her table scraps. She spent most of her time with the rats and bugs. Investigators noted how Blanche had covered the walls in words and phrases related to her freedom. Allegedly, the neighbors knew of Blanche's uh, imprisonment and they often heard her screaming in her room. If anyone had ever asked Blanc uh, Madame Monnier uh, what was going on, she claimed Blanche had gone insane. At the time, it was standard procedure to keep mentally ill family members under lock and key so no one pressed the issue. Keep that in mind. I'm going to read that again. At the time, it was standard procedure to keep mentally ill family members under lock and key 
so no one pressed the issue. Huh. Her mother was arrested, became ill shortly afterwards, and died 15 days later after seeing an angry mob gather in front of her house. Her brother Marcel Monnier appeared in court and was initially convicted, but later was acquitted on appeal. He was deemed mentally incapacitated, and although the judges criticized his choices, they found that a, quote, duty to rescue did not exist in the penal code at the time with sufficient rule to convict him. After she was released from the room, Monnier continued to have mental health problems. She was diagnosed with um, various disorders, including anorexia nervosa, schizophrenia, exhibitionism, and corprophilia. The this soon led to her admission to a physical uh, psychiatric hospital in Blois, uh, where she died in 1913 in apparent obscurity. So that's the story that you read. That's the story if you Google. Blanche Monnier's name, that's B-L-A-N-C-H-E-M-O-N-N-I-E-R. Pretty simple. That's, you know, pretty simple story. So, but, but why? Why did this happen? You know, she claimed to her neighbors she went insane, but what's going on here? If you Google it, you're going to, if you look up, look up on the U.S. Wikipedia, English Wikipedia, you'll see a very simple story, paints a story like, huh, move on with your day. But then I started digging, started looking at different resources um, that went and picked apart all the medical records and the police records from the time. And the website bestfranceforever.com talks about the two very different stories. One that is salacious and short, just the right enough length to tell in a news article. Um, and then there's the real story of what actually happened. It's uh, even more sad than what I just told you. And the rest of the blog here, the rest of the podcast, I am very much heavily quoting this website, foreverfrance.com, sorry, bestfranceforever.com. It's a great website. Um, The person who wrote this couldn't find a name of the author, but they dug deep. So here's what they said. Blanche's mother, 75, and her brother, Marcel, 53, were arrested and charged with offenses relating to Blanche's imprisonment. Though Marcel didn't live in the same house as his mother and sister, he lived in a house owned by his mother on the opposite side of the street and was known to visit the family home often. Just two weeks after her arrest, Louise Monnier, the mom, died. She had been ill for some time, and seeing the angry mob outside her home caused her health to fail further. Not that she felt any remorse for what she had done. She couldn't understand why people were upset about her treatment of Blanche and reportedly said, all this fuss for nothing. Great. Blanche's uh, story was headline news across France, accompanied by the horrific image of Blanche on her arrival at the hospital. There's t- just Google her name. You'll see images. She is so immense, very skinny. The public was outraged at the barbaric treatment Blanche had suffered at the hands of her own family. People wanted to know why this had happened, and it wasn't long before an explanation emerged. The story wrote that Blanche, a beautiful and happy young woman of 25, had fallen in love with a lawyer several years older than her. Blanche's mother wouldn't accept the match because he was penniless and a Protestant, whereas the Moniers were of noble lineage and Catholic. To put an end the engagement, to the engagement, she imprisoned Blanche in her room, pretending friends and family that she had disappeared. Google Blanche's story today. You'll read the same version of that, of what I read, the Wikipedia version. 
repeated in countless blogs, news sites, and even the English language Wikipedia page, a kind of gothic fairy tale of thwarted love in which a beautiful princess is held captive in a tower waiting for the prince that will never arrive. These stories are usually illustrated with before and after photos comparing Blanche on her discovery with her as a young woman. And then the thing is that the before photos of Blanche as a young woman don't, they're fake. The woman on the left is usually, the before photo is usually an American actress, Maud the Feely, while the other one that they usually use for the before photo is an unknown woman dated 1914, a year after uh, Blanche's death, age 65. So they're fake. So the photos are fake, but about the story, you know, what about the, the, the story, the one about the young lovers being kept apart? Well, the lawyer, the dude that she fell in love with, may well have existed, but you know, his role in Blanche's imprisonment was, to say the least, exaggerated. That's not why. And in spite of the headlines about a woman held captive for 25 years, there's even a great deal of doubt about whether Blanche was held against her will. The story that emerged at the trial of Blanche's brother, um, Marcel Monnier, the one told by the maids and doctors who cared for Blanche during these 25 years of quote-unquote captivity, is complicated. Blanche Monnier wasn't Rapunzel. She wasn't, uh, you know, she wasn't Elizabeth Fritzel. The evil that was done to Blanche was more banal, um, more uh, more of a creeping evil. I think even worse than thinking of her mother being a psychopath and horrible and, oh, wow, so horrid. Some people like that exist. No, it's way worse. Something that is a lot more common. Kind of wrongdoing that comes when people, many, many, many people turn a blind eye or even abnegate responsibility. Something that happens all the time. I used to hear it working customer service for my insurance company. You hear people that just, they're, I don't know, they just caretakers. They just don't take care of who they need to take care of. The real story is that Madame Louise Monnier was 22 years old, her mom, when she got married to Charles Emile Monnier, and she wasn't easy to live with. Her mom said, or her mom, Blanche Monnier's mom, was said to be anxious, high strung, miserable and had really bad hygiene herself. She liked to boss her family around. During Marcel's trial, one maid testified that Madame Monnier wore the same dirty dress every day. And another told the story of how that she complained that her children ate too much and ordered that they be served bread intended for the dog. This had nothing to do with how much money they have. They were very, very wealthy. Tons of properties, all that. But she wanted her kids to eat dog bread for some reason. She bossed around her husband and son, but Blanche didn't take it. You know, she was a rebel. She fought with her mother and that got worse the older she got. Blanche Monnier is said to have had a happy childhood in spite of whatever difficulties arose around the family dynamics. As she grew older, she became more interested in religion and she studied Christian at the Christian Union, wanted to become a nun. And it was during the period of Blanche's began to have mystical experiences. I don't know if it's caused by the religion or what. They're just coincidence. That caused her to crave solitude, and she spent more and more time in her bedroom. She refused to eat, perhaps initially as a religious fast, but this became more serious until she developed anorexia. In 1872, at the age of 23, Blanche fell in ill with a fever and took to her bed. Though the illness eventually passed, she never really returned to the world after that point. It was clear that Blanche was suffering from se severe mental illness, mental health issues by now, and she refused to wear clothes in the house and would stand naked in the window of her bedroom, visible from the street, and it would, you know, 
It's that's the sort of stuff that feared people. It was the fear of this exhibitionism that led to her parents having Blanche's bedroom window boarded up. Hence the dark prison like room that the police found her in. I'm not trying to give excuses here. We're painting a picture. It's taken a while, but bear with me. Blanche's tormented mental state interpreted as religious visions could be more properly attributed to the schizophrenia that she was eventually formally diagnosed for. Marcel's her brother, trial for complicity to violence began in seventh, uh, the 7th of October, 1901, and lasted five days. A great many people who had worked in the Monnier family home over the years testified in the trial. They were asked about Blanche's condition, the cleanliness of her room, and her ability to move around the home. From their testimonies, a picture emerged that diverged greatly from the narrative that had been told in the press Oh my gosh, I just scrolled and lost my place. Press and on the streets. Firstly, Blanche's presence wasn't a secret. Everyone who worked for the Moniers knew that Blanche was there and that she was ill, mentally ill. Secondly, she wasn't locked in a room uh, throughout her confinement. She was able to visit other parts of the house and had continued to play piano for a time. Thirdly, a great many people swore that for 20 years that Marie, or yeah, Marie, Fazi cared for Blanche. She was washed and her room was clean. So for, you know, there's 25 years that she was in quote unquote in prison for a, a, about 20 of them. She had a great caretaker, Marie Fazi, who kept her clean, took care of her. She was able to go around the house. Now, these testimonies, testimonies should be understood in the context of Blanche being a very sick individual. She was mentally ill, who would soil herself, rip her clothes off, and destroy objects and furniture in her violent rages. This isn't, I'm not talking about demons and stuff, and this isn't something crazy. People now, today in our society, deal with mental illness to this, to this extent. It is way more common than you think. Maybe I think it's more common than it is because I work in behavioral health and I hear about it all the time. But this stuff happens now. Probably, you know, definitely happened back in the 1800s. Who knows how long schizophrenia and this kind of mental disorders uh, persisted. But this isn't some weird demon possession thing here going on. It happens. It's mental illness. The court heard from a joiner who had been repeatedly to the house over the years to repair items in Blanche's room, including the door that... She broke stuff. Blanche would not have been an easy patient to care for, which is why when her principal carer died, that's Marie Fazi, five years earlier, things took a drastic turn for the worse. So five years before this trial, her great, wonderful caretaker, who was really good at her job, died, and things went bad. The problem was that Louise Monnier, her mom, Blanche's mother, had seemed to have washed her hands of her daughter. She wanted nothing to do with her. It was this weird blotch in her reputation great elite family, but they have this daughter that's hor horrible mental illness. Oh, no. Her husband had died over 14 years earlier in 1879, and with him died Blanche's, er, died Blanche's last hope of having a person who was able to act on her best interests. Instead of replacing Marie Fazi with another nurse who was trained, Louise Monnier, her mom, used a succession of maids, untrained young women who were entirely incapable of managing the needs of a very sick woman. These are maids, not nurses. That's not what they're supposed to do. In addition, they were expected to sleep in Blanche's bedroom, not an appealing prospect, as what we just heard. And many left, a, uh, left after a very short time, as you would. This is what caused her room to become a living hell. Louise's, Louise Monnier made the situation still worse with her miser, miserly behavior. Uh, one maid told of how she requested clean night, 
shirts and bed sheets from the linen cupboard for Blanche, who was incontinent at times, only to be refused. Louise said that Blanche would only rip uh, them or get them dirty again with her mother's refusal to hire proper carers or provide for her daughter's needs. It's little wonder that she ended up in a pitiable state. Blanche's conditions had degraded in 1899 when Louise entrusted two new housemaids, Juliette Dupuis and Eugène, Eugène uh, Thibault. <laughs> I, lo I love pronouncing French stuff with Blanche's care. Once again, they were young and experienced and had difficulty getting their patient to cooperate. Blanche's mother didn't actively participate in her care. It is unclear whether she even visited her daughter at this point. Her brother Marcel continued to read Blanche, uh, read to Blanche in her room. When questioned as to whether her room was clean, his response was contradictory. He claimed that it was in an acceptable state while going on to say that he petitioned his mother to remove her or remove her to a hospital, something she denied each time. Marcel didn't have a hospital, or Marcel didn't have force of will to legal or legal standing to get Blanche out of the house. He was, in effect, waiting for his mother to die before acting. As it happened, Luis's declining health was the catalyst for Blanche's eventual discovery. Six weeks prior to the police's intervention, Luis became ill to the point where she could not give orders to her staff, and Marcel was too fearful to take up the role himself. Whether um, through ignorance or laziness, Blanche was not given the care she needed. She was left lying in a filthy straw mattress covered in her own waste, rotten food, and vermin. It was seeing her in this appalling condition that finally compelled someone to act, though it is still uncertain who. It's probably that, you know, one of the new maids told a soldier boyfriend about Blanche, and he wrote the anonymous letter alerting to the authorities, or Marcel himself. Marcel was found guilty and sentenced to 15 months in prison, but immediately appealed the verdict. His lawyers argued that as legal guardian and owner of the house, it was Luis who had responsibility, who, who was responsible for Blanche's condition, not Marcel, and that he was not required under law to intervene. There was no good Samaritan law at the time in France. And the appeal was successful and Marcel uh, freed in November of 1901. In 1930, André Guidé used Blanche's story as the basis for his novel La Sequestre de Poitiers. In his, yeah, in his book, a young woman is held captive by her mother because of, of a love affair that the family did not approve of, a version reminiscent of the rumors about Blanche and the Protestant lawyer that persist today. It's, in, it's interesting that we would choose to retell this thwarted love story, though... In this version, an innocent Blanche suffers for 25 years. It is somehow easier to digest because there is an expl explanation and a single identifiable villain, the mom. We can imagine a world in which Blanche would be rescind, would be rescind and freed earlier by a passing policeman, for example. The reality is much harder to accept. Blanche was failed by many people. Her parents bear most responsibility, certainly, but many others, her brother, her doctors, her hired carers, anybody who heard her screaming on the street were aware of her situation and chose not to put an end to it. We like to think that in their place, we would stand up and say something. Telling Blanche's true story forces us to consider the possibility that we, too, would look away. Almost all of that, since I said, <laughs> best France forever. 
Com until right then, almost all of that was quotes from that website. But it, it summed it up. I read it a bunch of times, and like I said, I couldn't just <laughs> paraphrase because WordPress was breaking down. I, I would type a sentence, and I have to wait a 60 seconds to get it out. But anyway, I basically read from their website. I get that. Um, go check them out. It's definitely in the blog, cited multiple times. But they also hit that point home. Once I started reading about the real story of Blanche and not the Wikipedia version that, oh, she fell, she was beautiful. She fell in love. Her mom's like, you can't date that guy. He's poor and a Protestant. So I'm going to lock you up. And then, then she's freed. That's the, that's the headline. That's a salacious story. The real story is she was a very, very difficult person to take care of. And for 20 years, they hired someone who was willing to take care of Blanche. And she did, she did a good job. Apparently she was able to move freely about the house, play her piano, uh, when she was doing okay, but then that person died and her mom just said, no, I don't want to deal with it. And I don't know. It is kind of scary. Just like that that website said, telling Blanche's true story forces us to consider the possibility that we too would look away. I, I'm so worried that I'm not strong enough person that if I were, you know, I'm going to say it, burden, because I don't have someone in my life at the moment, but if I were burdened to take care of someone that difficult, would I just look away? I don't know. I, I can't confidently say, oh, I would step up and for decades just be so patient to take care of that person. I don't know. I don't know. So I get it. I think it's way more terrifying to look in on yourself and say, oh, that kind of makes more sense that her mom had to take care of this, her daughter who was, you know, she pooped herself. She threw, you know, threw her poop, ripped off her clothes. We get into violent rages. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have the money to work all day and see all my money go to someone that took care of him. I would like to think that I would. I mean, obviously, that's the moral and ethical right thing to do. Take care of that person that's in your life that is that difficult. But I don't know. I'm not a patient guy usually, you know. So that's the real scary part about this story is that it wasn't that she because she wanted to date a Protestant, Protestant lawyer. No, it's because she was really difficult. Eventually, after extended care, Blanche gained weight, could speak short phrases, but her imprisonment and her mental health caused such deep trauma that she was unable to fully recover. She lived in a sanitarium in Blois, France for 12 years until her death in 1913. To this day, the, the identity of the letter's writer remains anonymous. Some have theorized that it was Marcel Monnier, Blanche's brother, who wrote it while others believe it was the partner of the family's servants. So, yeah, I don't know. If you were burdened with someone who had, you know, such mental illness that caused them to behave like a deranged animal most of the time, how strong would you be in dealing with that? I don't know. And my hat's off to the people who do. My hat's off to the real hero of the story. I mean, good for you, Blanche. She had to live with that. But it was her caretaker, Marie Fozzi. Marie Fozzi took care of her 20 years. She's not even in the, the headline stories. I don't know. My hat's off to you, caretakers. And thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. It was a rough one. And it was going to be super short. That's why I picked it. Because I had one day to write it. Then I found the real story. And I couldn't just I couldn't just be another blog that wrote the fake story. <laughs> I had to shine a light on the real story. Um, and thank you. 
thank you, thank you, thank you to that website. Uh, let me see their article name. It was bestfranceforever.com, pr- the prisoner in her bedroom for 25 years, the terrible reason why Blanche was locked up. That's the name of the article. Check it out. <laughs> like 30% of this episode was directly from that website. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Thank you.